Hi, and welcome to Faithful Deconstruction. I'm Jesse Crookshank. And I am Roland Smith, and we're joined by my new and really good friend, uh, Nicole Fisk. Uh, Nicole is part of a weird little group that has started to get together at my house on Monday nights. We just kind of call it a What do you deconstru- mean by weird? Well, <laughs> weird in that we're willing to talk about weird things. Um, we're willing to talk about deconstruction and journeys and um, our hurts and our pains, and it's become a safe place, you know, for mm-hmm. people to do that. And Nicole has been incredibly transparent and uh, has an interesting journey. And so we asked her to be part of this conversation today. And uh, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for trusting us and trusting the audience enough to come and share what you have to share with us today. So I just want to honor that right off the bat. I hope it can be helpful. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it will because last episode we talked about um, what it's like to wake up when the world is different and to start to experience change. And, And we looked at it from the point of view of, you know, maybe a leader or a disciple maker and how do you respond to somebody who might be, um, beginning to have doubts or questions or, or say, Hey, I think I'm deconstructing. And, you know, in this conversation, I want to look at it from the point of view of the person who's, who's starting that journey, who, who experiences that journey. And for me, the text that we've been looking at that helps me think about deconstruction is the story in Genesis 11 of the tower of Babel. And, and I, I think about what was lost to the people when they woke up and the world was different. And What's interesting to me, if, we, if you look at the scriptural narrative, it says, you know, they all spoke the same language, that they made bricks and fired them. And so I see that they're, they're on the same page and they're on the same page so much. They have so much unity that they're innovating and they're being creative and they're making something amazing, right? And we would think that that's like success mm-hmm. and really good. I mean, they thought it was, I think we would think back on them. Mm-hmm. And, and they said that their reason for this you know, the scripture says that they said this great city and tower will make us famous and keep us from being scattered. And I think that that's just such an interesting phrase because it demonstrates to me two needs that, that, that we have. Like, I think they're innate human needs. One is to be known and respected and, and maybe feared to the point that you can, you know, protect yourselves yeah. and survive. And the other one is to be together, right? So they were building this tower. They were doing this thing so that they could be known and respected, and that they were going to be all together. And for me, then, the first type of deconstruction that we're going to talk about is one that challenges both of those. It challenges both the being known, and suddenly we don't feel known, (laughs) and we feel lost. And it challenges the idea of keeping everyone together, because as we're unknown and, and we don't feel like we know anybody anymore, we do start to scatter and that's a fear, right? The fear of not being known and then the fear of breaking those relationships and being scattered. So um, I was just wondering if you want to speak to for a moment, just a couple, like if you could describe how realizing you were deconstructing, you know, describe the motion of that in just a few words. Like what, what are some words that you would use to describe the feeling mm-hmm. of that? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I didn't really realize I was deconstructing at first. Mm-hmm. Um, It more came as a lot of questions that scared me. Mm. Um, I think it really started when my brother was killed. 
by a drunk driver. Mm -hmm. um, and this was like two hours before my daughter was born. So it was a really mm -hmm. traumatic event. And I started having all these questions that I'm sure a lot of people who go through something like that would have of like, how can God let this happen? Right. Um, and I was the wife of an elder. And so I had all this pressure of like, I have to keep up my appearance. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, But there was so much fear of like, I'm losing my faith and I can't tell anyone. Um, so I would say the emotions are fear, lots of fear, lots of wondering of like, why am I questioning? Um, am I really a Christian? Am I really saved? Because mm. if I was, I was led to believe, I wouldn't question, I wouldn't have these doubts. Um, I should be strong. My pastor came and said, God must think you're really strong. So I'm like, I, sh I need to be, but like, I'm not. So what do I do? <laughs> like, right. that's not true. So mm. yeah, lots of fear, mm. hiding, kind of like shame too about yeah. that. Yeah. Do you, do you, Nicole, do you feel like, um, do you feel like that that came from a sense of the whole community that you were part of? Was it like a, a taught thing or was it, um, more of like an ethos, like something that you just felt, everyone felt like we've got to have this identity and we've got to be mm. perfect and we've mm. got to believe these certain things and act these certain ways. I mean, what yeah. kind of describe the community that you were part of during all that? Um, so I think my community was very much, they wanted to look good. Um, you could have good feelings, happy feelings, um, positive emotions were mm -hmm. great and, and like your kind of your witness, the negative, um, the hard, that's mm. not allowed. That's mm. like, I mean, let's, I wouldn't say it wasn't allowed. It was like, you, you're allowed to have it for like a little short period mm -hmm. of time. Um, but you better like get over it quick. Mm. Um, and it wasn't so much spoken. Mm -hmm. I think there was times that it was maybe more indirectly spoken about, but definitely a feeling and I grew up feeling like I couldn't share stuff anyways and that, you know, I needed to like be happy, um, just like a dysfunctional family. Mm -hmm. And so I already came into that church feeling like I should hide stuff and just mm. put on a face. Uh, but yeah, that definitely was pushed even in small groups. Like I remember I loved my small group. I thought it was great. But the culture was you don't share really hard things. You can share like kind of hard things. But when I would yeah. share something really hard, I always felt like, oh no, I think I overshared. Everyone kind of gets quiet and they're like, okay, let's pray now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So so that question of why would God let this happen? Yeah, or is, I, I or did is not God feel free to ask God? it. Uh -uh. So you weren't able to no, verbalize that. You don't ask questions like that. Because yeah. that means like, are you even a Christian? And I already was questioning that. I didn't want anyone to question me on that because I was already thinking, hmm. gosh, I don't know. So I can't let anyone else know that I am not sure. What would it look like for my husband? Which I shouldn't have been so concerned about that, but I really was concerned about that too. Sure, sure. You know, it, it for me then, you know, the interesting thing about about that and the way that we're talking about this is that I, I think sometimes we confuse the difference between faith and belief. Mm -hmm. And if we don't know the difference between them as our beliefs change, then we think our faith is changing. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the definition of belief is something that you agree with, like 
the gravity or that the world was ra- the world is round. Although mm-hmm. I don't know why that's like con- controversial some places. There's a but, whole group out there. Mm-hmm. That it's really it's weird not. to me. I don't understand shocking. that. It's shocking. <laughs> but like faith is grounded in a relationship. Like this, mm-hmm. these are these are not my definitions. These are James Fowler's definitions and and sociology's definitions. So so faith is about a relationship, and that's why atheists don't have faith is because that they don't believe that there's anything out there to have a relationship with. And then agnostics, um, that they think that there's something out there, but they're not close enough to it, or they don't have enough relationship with it for that relationship to affect their identity. Hmm. So the definition of faith being a relationship that informs our identity, even to the point where Fowler says, I love this quote from him. He says, uh, he's the author of Faith Development Theory, says that idolatry is centering one's identity on something other than Jesus. And our commitments and trust shape our identities. We become that which we love and trust. And as I'm thinking about this, you know, this journey of deconstruction, especially this first one where we're changing, you know, from being known, think we're known to being unknown, to being a stranger in this strange land. I was just wondering if you could share, Nicole, a little bit about your journey and you know, do you think that your deconstruction journey and the pain of it was about shifting that trust from your pastor and your community to something else and, and not, you know, and maybe that's Jesus, but maybe that's not. And, and just that, that change of trust and how that's affected you. I wonder if you could just share a little bit. Yeah. About that. So for me, I, I really trusted in the doing the right thing. I wouldn't have said, you know, faith by works. I wouldn't have told you that's how it works, but in reality, like, that's what I was taught, like, faith by works. Like, you're saved by works. Um, And sure, there's grace, but, like, what does that really mean? So Mm -hmm. I felt safe by, you know, doing all the right things and getting affirmation from my pastor. Um, And he was more than a pastor. He counseled me for a, a decade, Mm-hmm. Um, and he did our marriage, our premarital counseling, marriage counseling, like all sorts of stuff. So I really, I looked to him for that affirmation. I felt like that was something I really needed. Um, and so when I, when I stopped getting affirmation from him, when I stopped telling him what I was really thinking during a counseling session, when I just inside didn't have that, that stuff to rely on, I just kind of let go of Mm -hmm. everything. I went into a really deep, dark place. Um, I mean, I considered killing myself and my three kids because I really thought maybe this is the best thing for all of us because I'm so screwed up. And then at least I won't rub off on them. And um, I remember the first time I told someone that I wasn't sure that God, I wasn't sure that God loved me. I can't remember exactly how I said it. I I wasn't sure I believed in God. Mm. and it was the women's director at our church. And I was sure, like, lightning was going to strike me. I was mm. going to get kicked out of the church. My husband was going to lose his job. He was mm. on staff at that time and get kicked out too. And she just looked at me, and she's like, oh, well. Like, it's just, like, kind of accepting. And that was, like, the only mm. time, I like, in that church that I was like, oh, my gosh, this is okay. And so that I think that gave me enough courage to start talking not to people in my church, but I went to a grief share group and mm. I started I started learning like kind of outside of the very strict religious, uh, I don't know, I don't know what you call like 
theology that they had. It was very small, little, like, you have to do it this way. Started hearing some more things, and that helped me to just kind of, like, trust my body more, mm. trust what I was feeling, and that it was okay to feel things. Um, and I would say that the first place I moved my trust was to trusting my body. Because mm. I really had been mm. trained to not trust my body, not listen to my body, especially as a woman. Like, I'm emotional, I'm crazy, I'm hormonal, <sighs> like all the things. I really believed that about myself. And I, like, I'm not even a very typical, like, hormonal type woman in that way, I would say. Maybe that's because I've covered it up my whole life. But, um, yeah, so I think I transitioned You're, to I'm trusting. listening to my body right now and I'm getting a little bit of blood pressure just <laughs> yeah, knowing right? how we've been taught uh -huh. to disregard our body. So we can let other people disregard yes, our body. Yes. So oh, I'm just exactly. breathing. I'm just breathing for the okay, moment. I'll take a deep breath. No. <laughs> I need to also, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So I learned to trust my body. I transitioned that trust to my body. And then mm. with working with a therapist, I really started being able to think about trusting God again or like whatever is out there. Because I never didn't believe something was out there. Wow. So I'm... As you're, as you're thinking about moving that trust towards God or towards whatever's out there, like, where did you start to look? That is a really good question. I, I really desperately tried to find God in what I was taught because I did not want to lose him. I was so afraid. I lived in, I didn't realize before, but I was living my entire life in fear. I became a Christian because I was afraid of going to hell. Um, I did everything I was doing. All my actions were based on fear of, if I don't do this, I'm not a real Christian, so I'm, I'm going to go to hell. Like, that's just how I live my life. And when I stopped having that fear, I started feeling like, I'm, like, I can do this again. Tell me, ask me your question, because, like, I kind of, like, lost it. Where did you start it. to look? Oh, where did I start to look? I started to look, I was desperately, like, clean, looking for God, uh, I think I just looked inward. Like there was a part of me inside, and this is why I was saying I trust in my body. There was a part of me that knew God hmm. in a way that wasn't rules-based. And it was from when I was very young. And I would pray and like just like feel hmm. him um, slash her. And I had different experiences where I'm like, that is God. Like, that is a God experience. So I burned, like, in, during my deconstruction, I burned down the whole forest. But these little stumps of, like, my experiences remained. And so I think that's what I went back to. Like, mm. that mm. was real. I know that happened. I know what I felt then. And I don't know what it was. I wouldn't have said, oh, that was for sure God. Mm. But, like, that was something. And that that's something that I know is real. And so that's where I started looking and started, I would just got to a point where I'm like, okay, I have to be okay with letting everything else go. Like, and, and a friend told me, you know, I, I think I said to her, I'm just really afraid. I feel really lost and I, I don't have anything. And except I know like the world doesn't make sense without a God. Mm. And she was like, you know what? I think that's beautiful. I think that's enough. Like that's God's grace in your life that you still believe that. And so I clung to that. Mm. I do think it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. And I love the, the metaphor, burning down the forest with the stumps of your experiences um, or what you go back to. So I know that I know that in your journey, um, and I think this is right, you kind of started with this personal introspective, what is God 
where is God? What is God to me? That kind of thing. And then our paths crossed a little bit in some small community in a house. Mm -hmm. And then I know that you've been dabbling in larger church community again. Um, what, why that journey? Like, what, what is it about community or kind of returning to um, not the traditions of church, mm -hmm. but, the, but the sense that you're doing this with a larger group yeah. of people? What does that mean to you in this journey? Yeah, uh, community is so important. And like you were saying about losing your community, um, I, I lost my whole community that I had had for a decade. And um, I felt that loss. I think for a long time, I just told myself, even before any of this happened, just like, I don't need anyone. I don't need to have best friends. I never really had best mm. friends. I'm a twin. And I never even had like a super close relationship with my sister which is mm. so weird. Like, we, mm. it wasn't a deep relationship. Mm -hmm. um, I just never thought I needed people. And when I really lost everyone, I realized I need that community. I'm missing that community. But I don't want that community. I mm. want a real community. I want people who mm. know me, like you were saying, like being known. I want people who really know me and who I can be real with. Um, and I, I never had that. And I started seeing that in your group. Like, mm -hmm. I was kind of afraid when I found out that you were a pastor. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, all the things we've talked about. Like, what is yeah. he thinking? What is he thinking about me? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe that you were you were a yeah. pastor and that, like, yeah. that was okay conversation in your home. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like, that made me feel safe and it made me realize, like, this is what I want. I want that yeah. community back. Like, my heart desires that. And, and I really and feel like I need it. Now you've reengaged you know, at times, like those traditional rhythms of like a Sunday morning yeah. in a little bit larger church with a worship service and a sermon and those kind mm -hmm. of things. I wouldn't Kids say ministry. I'm totally, yeah. I'm more like sit on the edges. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So like we have some tables in different places around the sanctuary. So I will, I like sitting at the tables instead of in the pews, kind of observing. I don't usually participate in the singing part because that, yeah. it feels kind of, fake. I feel, I feel like it's a performance for me. I feel it's, it's hard for me to participate yeah. and feel real, but yeah, I'm, st I'm starting to mm -hmm. get back in. Um, even and, when and I'm test, leading worship, even when you're leading okay. worship. <laughs> yeah. It's no, not I, you. I totally, no, I totally, yeah. I totally get that. In yeah. respect. And I would want to say, I think getting back to a Sunday centric institutional worship service, while that's not a bad destination, that's not the goal. Yeah. The, the goal is your journey with God, mm -hmm. you know, and, and wherever that needs to take place, yeah. whatever community. But I'm just, I thought it was interesting starting with the individual kind of smaller community feeling comfortable. Mm -hmm. And then one Sunday, yeah. you, you know, one of our other group members had been coming for a little bit. And so, um, so you and your family showed up and yeah. I, I just thought that was interesting. And yeah. And I think part of it, my husband, has he had a really hard time not attending church so for a while when i wasn't going he was going and taking some or all of the kids mm -hmm. to a different church um and he it it was very hard for him to let me just stay away mm -hmm. um and i stood up for that and i'm thankful that that didn't cause too much tension for us but mm -hmm. part of my reason for coming was for him like i'm like okay i feel like it's safe enough 
and I know you really want this, so let's try it out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we came like once and then we watched online mostly and then we like came another time in a couple yeah. months. Yeah. And every time we came like dipping that toe in, mm -hmm. it, it was a good, like safe feeling experience. So that made it easier and easier to start coming more often. That says a lot about the environment as well, you know, that, yeah. that you're entering mm -hmm. into, yeah. that it's a good environment. Because, and I want to ask you a question about the, just to compare and contrast the environments. And, but when it comes to this first stage of deconstruction, um, you're leaving that home space that, that is the world that you know. And, mm -hmm. it, and it's defined by having um, a, a group understanding. So, mm -hmm. so truth is held by the group. And, and we know what is true by it's what the group agrees on. And as that starts to break apart, you know, and we have to leave that to discover what we think the truth is. It's the natural progression of like becoming an adult or leaving home and, and finding your own way in the world and making your faith your own. It's called a lot of, you know, different things. But the research shows that only like 47% like like of adults don't make it. Hmm. Because in order to leave the group, you actually have to leave everything that you've known and that's helped shape you. Yeah. And sometimes... Not all the time, but sometimes that group is punishing, right? You can have a mature and healthy group that will let you go and explore and come into your own. And you can have a healthy family that does that. But then you can have a healthy, an unhealthy family or an unhealthy group that says, well, no, if you leave us, you're leaving the truth because the truth is oh, yeah. us. Mm -hmm. And there is no truth but us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's why a lot of people don't make it because they're not willing to sacrifice those relationships in order to be known, to know God at a deeper level, to know themselves at a deeper level. And I'm just wondering, you know, not everybody, not all, all the communities have to be punishing. They can be healthy. But if you would compare and contrast a little bit between the two different communities, mm -hmm. the one that you were leaving, you know, did they, did they punish you for leaving or what, what it cost, what did it cost you to leave? Yeah. And then what did you gain by finding a healthier, healthy community mm -hmm. that is okay that you sit at the table and don't yeah. sing? Yeah. Um, what did it cost me to leave? Man, I feel like it cost me a lot more to be there than to leave. Mm. But mm. Um, so my husband was an elder and I started, I was in counseling and with, a, in therapy with a real therapist, not, no longer with the pastor and started realizing a lot of issues. That's a really good move. Yes. Please don't <laughs> go to counseling with your pastor unless they're trained right if you need therapy go to a therapist go to a therapist yes that was a big no-no at our church like mm -hmm. if you it was a big no-no to get anti antidepressants um and to see a therapist because it's a sin problem and you go to like the spiritual leader for that sort of stuff um but that, that's just one of the multiple things i started realizing that were wrong and abusive in this situation and so i came to my husband and started saying stuff about that, about the abuse that I had realized and that my therapist had helped me see. Um, and he really pushed back. And it eventually, like, my therapist came to him because he was actually, our church had, like, put different people in position, in elders in position over different small groups. So, like, he was her elder. And she came to him, told him, this is a big issue. It's not just your wife. It's other people, too, who are having this. Um, anyways, he, it cost him a lot because he went to the, the board of elders and mm -hmm. he was, he kind of like blew the whistle. Like, this is not okay. The way that the senior pastor has acted is abusive and wrong. And like, we've got to do something about it. 
he was completely just shut out. He was the black sheep. They mm-hmm. did not let him come to any more elder meetings. Mm-hmm. He wasn't allowed to do any of his, perform his role at all. He basically was out of any of the meetings after that. Um, and I hadn't been going to church for a while, but um, we both together like were not going to church. We didn't feel like, they didn't tell us you can't come. But mm-hmm. the senior pastor was still there and still in the pulpit. And so mm-hmm. we're like, it's not safe to come. And that environment of like protecting the pastor in an abusive situation and even the denomination, like we brought these charges to the denomination and they kind of protected the pastor too. And just, it's it was so like, we care about the pastor and the leadership. We And we care about our ideas and mm-hmm. our our little box of like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, you are being a bad witness to mm-hmm. call out something even if it's wrong, like you shouldn't be calling it out because that looks bad for us. Um, so I think about that environment of keep secrets, protect the pastor, don't, you know, forgive and forget and move on and like no real reconciliation. Mm-hmm. When I looked at the website for Pulpit Rock, I remember um, somewhere it says, if you need a community, even if you aren't sure about God or don't believe in God or something like, mm-hmm. and you just need a place to belong, like you're welcome here. And I was like, what? Hmm. Like, oh my gosh, I cannot imagine. Like, you were not welcome at my other church unless you were either believed the right things, which you were talking about a group believing. It was more like the senior pastor believes this and everyone else has to believe that. It was really more like a cult. And, um, you know, either believing those things or in the process of like believing those things. But yeah, like the difference here, you can believe whatever you, I mean, in having Jonathan from the pulpit saying stuff like, this is what I believe, but these other are other things people believe and they're valid. I was like, what? That, <laughs> that it was the exact opposite at my church. It's like, this is the truth. There is no other option. Even about political stuff, which really bothered me. Um, so yeah, just being open to like the different opinions, different beliefs, and still being a community and still loving each other and, and focusing on loving each other. As like the thing instead of, oh, are you coming to church? Oh, are you praying enough? Are you reading your Bible enough? Did you do your devotions today? You know, like the checklist stuff. Like it's a real life here and you can feel it. Yeah, and I think what you're what you're describing, I don't know if you've heard this, but we talk about it a lot as bounded and centered set mm-hmm. kind of thinking. And so, you know, there are communities that are really built on bounded, rigid beliefs that are... Um, dictated by senior pastor, elder team, doctrinal statement. Bylaws and some of them. Oh my gosh. And so, you know, it's like you're either in or you're out Uh uh, versus a centered set, which is kind of this thought process of just kind of dig a well in the middle. And we know the well is Jesus and people are pointed in different ways and on different journeys toward that. And so, um, yeah, maybe that describes kind of feeling like you're trying to bust out of a bounded set and Mm -hmm. then you find kind of a centered set where you're kind of able to Mm -hmm. maneuver toward who God really is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's okay to believe different things and it's okay to listen to your body and trust your body and, and Mm -hmm. yeah, like explore and ask questions. Mm -hmm. Find Mm -hmm. what feels right to you. Not in like a, that can sound so bad, like whatever feels right to you, but within the bounds of 
community. Yeah, and and I think there's, I mean, even at even in our community, I mean, there is an orthodoxy. There's there's, you know, if you have coffee with us and you say so, so what do you believe about this in the Bible? I mean, there's there there are some beliefs about that, but I think it's the journey that is the fluid thing. It's the yeah. allowance for mm-hmm. a journey and for letting the Holy Spirit guide you. Not, yes. Yeah, you're not, not telling me what to do and yeah, believe. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, I think I think you know what the the faith community that you belong to and the faith community that I belong to and the ones that we hang out with and support, like we're we're interested in that center, right? Mm-hmm. I think because at the at the root of it, we're all afraid of being scattered. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the counterfeit is that we center ourselves around what we can build, around an idea, around an ecclesiology or type of church structure, or even a theology, which is still our definition of what we think. You know, it's not an open-handed thing. It's a, it's a dictated thing. And there's a space for that. But if we're building that and we're centering around that to keep ourselves from being scattered, you know, when we come to that place where we don't understand each other, and, and the, the forces of the world and, and the seasons of our lives kind of move us in other directions. You know, we have to, we have to find a tra- and transition to move to be with those who do understand us. Mm-hmm. And we have to change community a lot of the time mm-hmm. um, and find that community that shares our same values. That's just that natural progression mm-hmm. to knowing ourselves and knowing what we think. And, you know, my hope for this conversation is that People know that it's okay to leave what they've known beforehand. And while yours was traumatic and abusive, you know, not everybody's is, but I still think everybody should come to know themselves, right? And to know what does their personal relationship with God look like in their own, you know, between them and the Lord. And then we we can gather and find find different communities. And so that's my hope. My hope is that more than 47% of, <laughs> of adults would move into this place where they have their own relationship with the Lord. Um, so that's my hope. But I'm wondering, you know, Roland, maybe what's your hope? And then, Nicole, maybe what's your hope on uh, the people that people would take away from this conversation? Yeah, I, I think I think for me, during COVID, um, it kind of started with a group that met in a park near my house where we were talking about faith and COVID and all the struggles of life. And I kind of discovered some of this deconstruction thing that was going on through one of Nicole's friends that came to that. And so, um, and it kind of led to, hey, there needs to be a community where this is safe, you know? Mm-hmm. And so my hope would be that that um, more people have a place to walk this out, not alone, but they can kind of take the next, after the individual, they can take that next step into here's a small safe space, you know, so more of those kinds of communities. Mm. Yeah, I, that's a great hope, Roland. Yeah. <laughs> I found that here. Um, my hope is that people, when they, when and if they go through deconstruction or questioning, that they would feel okay about it. Not even just okay, but like good. It's just part of the journey. It's not, it doesn't have to be scary. And there are people who will care and who um, will listen. And that, like you're saying, yes, like find your own faith. Don't listen to the, the other people in your community to tell you what you should and shouldn't believe. Like you can listen to your body 
and um, God can talk to you and he can let you know. You don't have to, you know, let a pastor tell you or read a book to let that book tell you and believe that. Like, you can know um, for real inside and believe it truly. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be um, like this straining because that doesn't work. Like, we can't make ourselves believe something. Um, seeking, yes, um, but like God is there for the questions. He's, you know, he's okay with it. He's big enough for it. He doesn't, he expects it even. Like he's welcoming it. Um, and so question away and find a community that accepts you while you're doing it. And you know, don't leave what you know inside. I think we all can like feel inside. Like what does faith feel like? What does God feel like? We can all get back to that. At least I was able to get back mm-hmm. to that point. Um, and go with that and see where God takes you. Mm-hmm. That's so good. So Thanks. good. Thank you for sharing your story with You're us. Welcome. Thank you for your vulnerability and, and the bravery for you and your husband and your family. Um, I can only imagine what you've been through. And I can imagine what you've been through. And, um, yeah, thank you for... Thank you for being gutsy and stubborn <laughs> and keep and that you kept walking forward. Welcome. Thanks I for inviting me it, to share in this. I know it's going to help some people. I know it's going to bless some people. So thank you. You're welcome. Well, for Faithful Deconstruction, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Roland Smith. And thank you for joining us for the journey as we look to deconstruct our faith without losing it. Thank you for tuning in for Faithful Deconstruction. As a listener to this podcast, we wanted to make available to you a free download entitled Six Questions of Faithfulness. They are questions that help you both honor God and the journey you're on. You are not alone and you're not lost, even if it might feel like it. Go to whoology.co for access to our free resources today.